0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through three media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, and via our magazine. They are now all available at Small Business Digest. Net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Each month, we t- touch more than 1 million small business leaders through our various media. Here at Small Business Digest Radio, we help to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are carefully chosen for their expertise or experience. They do not pay to be on this program, but rather our editors and readers identify them. If you have any suggestions or particular topics you want us to cover, please email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's efforts, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear. I'm particularly pleased tonight to start off our, our program with Delia Passe. She is one of the legends in the, in, the, in the certainly the publishing world, but more importantly in helping uh, women working uh, as she was publisher of Working Mother and Working Woman magazines and has done a heck of a lot. And she's got a whole, another project that we look forward to talking to. Delia, welcome to the show.
2: Don, it's a pleasure to be here today.
1: Thank you. Well, Delia, we always ask ask, uh, our guests first to talk a little bit about their personal lives, how they got to this point. Can you give us, uh, I I know it's fascinating, just a brief synopsis of some of the things you've done in the past?
2: Oh, sure. Uh, You know, I'm delighted. It's been a very interesting journey, and I think that, you know, every business owner, every adult out there, and for those who are younger, understand that, you know, every, I, I'm convinced that everything we do kind of leads us to a place, right? It's a little journey in life we take where it all kind of comes together. And, um, you know, I, I, I started my career at Xerox, became a top producer, um, sold to men all day long because I was selling to small business owners in the 80s. And, uh, you know, did a really, really good job of it. And uh, then went into publishing. Um, one of my clients who owned a publishing company uh, asked me to work for them. And I said, sure, what the heck does a publisher do? And he said, you know, publisher sells." And I said, hey, I got that one. I can do that for sure. So I uh, left Xerox, uh, started in publishing, and bombed, failed and realize it was the first it was an important lesson because you know you're young you get a little cocky you think yeah own the world you're the master of the universe and then you have a real life check and i realized that what was different was that i was selling to women for the first time so it was a wake up call that i needed to if i wanted to be successful in in the workplace and in uh, working with women as well as working with men that I really had to be more attuned to the buying preferences and how women like to be sold to versus a man. So it it sparked a whole lifetime's journey for me um, to really study the differences between the genders, understand what motivates one versus the other to buy, and we made it a little, you know, really it's become a passion, but um, it served me well because I, when I finally figured the ladies out and understood what it took to really master the sale with women, uh, I, my career exploded and I ended up, uh, uh, the peak in publishing is to be a group publisher, and I ended up the group publisher, Working Woman, Working Mother. And that only happened because I was able to master the sale so one day i said let me go ahead i'm going to put this in writing so when we sold working woman and working mother um i went off on my own started a market research firm to study the to help corporations understand more about women and um and started writing a book and it was published in 2007 it's uh it's called winning the toughest customer the essential guide to selling to women and what i did was i basically put all my learnings into a seven-step process that we've sold uh, close to 100,000 of those books now and uh, it's a best seller in its in its category. Um, people continue to order it and and it is just one of those books where if you want to sell more to women you need to get it. Now, unfortunately it's right now out of print, but you could always contact my office at Women Certified and we can send you a, a book on CD or put you on a back order, but uh, uh, definitely go to WomenCertified.com and you can get all our information. But I uh, I love what we do now. Now, take you fast forward, I founded uh, Women Certified, the voice of the female consumer. Now I'm living my passion, which is to, to empower women to make smart choices. We're the collective voice of the female consumer, and we just launched the Women's Choice Awards.
1: Okay. Well, let's let's back up. you. You've already given me four or five questions, but I'll start with one that has always fascinated me because I sure as heck don't understand. What is the difference or what are the differences between selling to men and selling to women?
2: Well, totally different buying styles, you know, and their communication styles are very different. You know, when I had a um, – when I, after I met with uh, a male uh, business owner – you know I would uh meet with him pretty much you know convince him that he had to go forward right then and there, give him twenty four forty eight hours to think about it, call him back and say, "Okay, John, I'm coming back in, take out that checkbook we're going to we're going to make this deal happen." I was very direct, but I was very succinct about what we were going to do. It was all about the bottom line, all about the efficiency, all about the thing I can go on and on all about the competitive advantages, what it was going to do for their business it was at the end of the day, it was a very direct style of communication. I found that women didn't appreciate that as much. Some business women business owners who are listening go, oh, no, that's me, and definitely, you know, a lot of us business owners that are female get that. We understand the, uh we like to be direct. But women are more relationship-based, and we appreciate the fact that we take the time to really understand them, really take the time to listen to what they have to say, you know, give them more advice, more information. So with men, you know, I'd I'd meet with them maybe once or twice, and I'd get their 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 business was mine. If I couldn't close them after two times, I walked away. It was you know that was it. What I found was that I typically had to meet with a woman three to four to five maybe six times before I got the sale, and so that meant a lot more you know of ab- absorbing of information, a lot more justification, a lot a lot more referrals. Uh, give them a lot more advice be part of the hand-holding process to acclimate the products into their business and so it's it's really more of a process with women and you have to take the journey women take longer in the buying process that's proven over and over again Uh, look at any guy who walks into a mall he's on a mission he goes directly where he's got to go and he's out of there with a woman, you know she makes the excursion she takes a journey she'll travel from store to store to find the perfect product, and she'll take her time now i 'm talking generalities, of course, but the the point is is that, that women do in general take longer, so you have to take the buying journey with them, and you have to also communicate more effectively with women oh, oh,
1: oh, one more t- question on that topic and' we'll, on this topic, and we'll go on to um, women certified but uh i have found that women demand uh more justification for uh in a buying decision. Uh right. and let's in a business buying decision, let's leave aside the personal, but in a business right. buying uh, oh i'm glad I, i'm right about one thing about that. Uh because i've seen the differences um um uh uh, I see the differences in trying to sell women. You really have to justify it to a woman business person, whereas men—it's less more. It's more on gut and more on a relationship. That's how uh, when people have asked me, I've I, I said the difference. How do you feel about oh, yes. that?
2: Absolutely. Well, you're on track. Um, the way I say it is, is that women are risk averse. Okay. So they don't want to take, they're not going to gamble away their money, they're not going to make a decision, they're not going to take a take a chance. They're going to think it through. They're going it's going to be a process for them. They're going to do their research, they're going to justify it. They're going to make sure that it's the absolute right decision for them and their business. That's going to take them a lot more time to do that, right? So with men, I always say they'll shoot from the hip. Men will take a risk because you know if they if they make a purchase and they blow it, they go oh well you know won't you know next right they just they just kind of they'll brush it off and it'll roll down their back you know it, it's it's business um, when you know when I see a male business owner who had to shut down his business you know I talk to him and maybe he got you know half a million dollars in an adventure and I go oh my god how do you sleep at night. You know, you're shutting down your business. You owe people half a million. What do you? It's business. Still, it's risk and reward. And you know, that's business. Yes, I sleep at night because I'm going to start up a business tomorrow. And it might take me two or three times, but I'm going to get there. Where a woman, you know, we are, we will just not give up. We'll, we'll hold on longer. We'll, we'll keep the business longer. We'll run ourselves into more debt. We'll do all those things because we're, we're just so committed to that decision. So when women are like get so much more behind a decision, that means they have to take a lot more time in justifying the decision. so that's basically the difference. Men are risk takers women are not
1: well, it's interesting uh if I may go down one more question with you, but uh more women there are more women originated new businesses in the last eighteen months than men uh are uh originated.
2: Uh, oh, yeah, that's for years. Yes, women open businesses twice the rate of men.
1: Yes, yeah. um, but they're taking the risk. Uh, is it uh, that they have no alternatives, or in, in your opinion, uh, in your experience? Or...
2: Well, no, no. When I say we're, women are risk averse, that doesn't mean that they won't, you know, venture into their own business. That doesn't mean that they won't, they won't put up their own personal savings. It won't mean that they'll, they won't. But they spend a lot more time agonizing over those decisions. You know, uh, men will shut down a business much faster than a woman will. Why? Because you know she'll think more about you know the people who the, the more how it will impact others in our life. She's going to think about the people she might owe money, this and that. A guy's more inclined to cut his losses and move forward to the next to the next opportunity. Women, we we take the risk, but it's a, it's a very calculated risk. It's a very well thought out risk. Um, You know, and not to say that some women, even like myself, I mean, I take a lot more risks than most, than most, than just as much as a man does, but, um, but that's not, but we still struggle and agonize, even though I'm a big risk taker, I've opened businesses, I've sold businesses, I mean, you know, I've done it all, but I will tell you that I struggle over decisions when i had to shut down the business in the 90s it was a very painful experience for me and my my board who were who were mostly all men at the time because they were my investors you know really they they were almost upset with me which, because i struggled and and dragged it out you know over a period of time so you know women we're slower you know in the in, in making these major decisions but when we do we're 100 percent committed
1: absolutely now let's talk about women certified
2: oh yeah we're having fun there women certified is the voice of women it's the first time that we've ever had the collective voice of the female consumer so women certified was created as a consumer advocacy group and the women women certified is its job is it's to help women it's women helping women make smart choices So, you know, now together through research, we have hundreds of thousands of women who have signed up to be the Voice of Women in America, and please, if you are a woman out there or if you're a man listening and you have to tell the women in in your lives, please join us. We're on a mission to reach a million. We're up to a couple hundred thousand. We need your voice. We need you to help us help other women make smart choices. So we do surveys several times a month. We do surveys. Maybe you'll get maybe one survey every other week. And we'll ask you questions. Tell us about your favorite brands for your home. Tell us about your favorite brands for, if you're a mom, for your children. Tell us your favorite car brands. Tell us your favorite pet brands. We're going to be doing a pet survey. We want to know because when I'm shopping, there's nothing more frustrating than staring at, at an aisle like I had to go buy a cappuccino machine. All right, I had company from Italy, and I needed to go give my people cappuccino. So I went to uh, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond, and there were like 9 or 10, maybe 11, I don't know, cappuccino machines. I ended up walking out with not one, and I was prepared to spend the $400, $600 to buy a good one, but I looked at all of them and had no idea which one is the most recommended brand. And so I'm not as tech-savvy in the sense that I started to look them all up on my phone like like a lot of people do. I went home and I struggled over it, and then I got on the Internet and spent hours reading it. If I had gone there and seen the Women's Choice Award, which is the seal that these brands get because women vote for those brands, that would have made my choice so easy. I would have picked up the one most recommended by women, and that would have taken away the risk in my, in my choosing that brand. So that's what we're doing. We're making shopping much easier for women.
1: Okay. How how does how does someone uh, sign up for uh, for this program or learn more information? Yeah.
2: yeah. So so if you go to womenschoiceawards dot com, you can get to it through womenscertified.com dot com as well. But just go to womenschoiceawards dot com, and you'll be able you'll see it. There's a tag that says join. And so we're a consumer advocacy group. So the only way we're going to make a difference is by getting more women to come on board and take our surveys and help us determine the best brands. Here's the kicker: because we're so so much about giving back to women, for every woman who takes a survey, and when I say every woman, of course we love the guys and they're always welcome to take our surveys, but it just you know account, we really are looking from the female perspective at the, for the Women's Choice Awards. So for everyone who takes the survey, we donate $0.50 cents to a cause, and they get to choose the cause. So we're giving thousands of dollars a year, thousands and thousands. I think last year $15,000. we are giving thousands of dollars a year away to causes, and everybody, the women who take the survey get to vote for their cause. So you're doing so much good. You're helping other women make smart choices. We're giving these brands the Women's Choice Award. No one pays. Nobody pays. No awarded brand pays to get on my site because it's about helping women. And, um, and the, and the, the um, surveys, of course, we fund um, advocacy rates to do that too. Now, how do we make money? You have a lot of business owners on the phone. I'm sure they'd be interested. Is that something you want me to share? I,
1: I, I, that was my next question.
2: <laughs> okay. So what happens is nobody pays. We we award the companies. They get listed on our website. They come to us. We actually we send them a letter and say, Congratulations. We're we're recognizing you on the Women's Choice Awards site for being the best carpet in America. So we send a letter to Stain Master and say, You are the most recommended carpet in America. You know, we congratulations, you'll be promoted on our site. We invite you to become a partner organization. So now, once you get the honor of being the most recommended brand in America, then we invite those businesses to become a partner organization. What does that mean? It's like supporting a cause. Each, Depending on the size of the company, there's a recommended partnership fee. And the partnership fee then goes back to women's empowerment programs. So they invest money back in our mission to to empower women. And most of the money goes back into the market, and the rest of the money pays to support the advocacy part of my business. Because wow. remember, Women's Choice Award is our division of, my, of, of women certified. And women certified is the Voice of Women in America, has the Women's Choice Awards, which is the advocacy part of it, and then we're a leading market research firm. And we have, you know, uh, dozens of Fortune 500 companies that use us to do their market research. So that's where we make our money.
1: All right. Uh, Again, if people, uh, your website, again?
2: The website is womencertified.com or, because it will go to the same place, womenschoiceawards.com.
1: Well, uh, uh, Delia, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, uh, we're going to invite you back to talk further, um, maybe near the Christmas season, so we'll see what, uh, what your women are advocating for Christmas.
2: You know what? Let's do that. And then I'm, then we're going to do a special survey as well to just understand what, what they're, what's motivating them to spend some money. So we'll help your business owners understand how to better market to her.
1: Well, let's stay in touch. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Don. Thank you.
1: Our next guest, who's been patiently waiting, is Hal Elrod. Uh, Hal, are you on board?
3: Uh, I am on. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks for clo- for uh, coming on the program. Um, Hal, we always start by asking our guests a little bit about themselves and how they got to the point they are now.
3: Absolutely. Um for me, I think that it really started, when I was 19 years old, uh, I, I gave up my dream job, which uh, I was a DJ on the radio that went by the name Yo Pal Hal, and uh, <laughs> gave up the dream job to, to start a sales position, and I got hired by Cutco uh, Cutlery selling kitchen knives. I never really thought you know, it would go anywhere, and uh, 10 days after starting, I had broken the all-time 50-year-old you know, sales record and sold the most Cutco ever sold in 10 days. And I went on to continue to break records, and they asked me to speak at all the conferences since I was one of their top performers. And a year and a half later, I was driving home after giving a speech at a conference when my car was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour, sent me into oncoming traffic, another car hit me in my door at 70 miles an hour, and uh, I immediately was, my left side of my body was crushed, I broke 11 bones, uh, was found dead at the scene and died for six minutes and woke from a coma six days later to the news that I would never walk again. And like any of us that have adversity, you know, we have to decide how we're going to respond. And I just decided, you know what, I'm alive for a reason. I was given a second chance for a reason. And I kind of dedicated my life to really fulfilling my potential and, and, and achieving all of my dreams so that I could inspire and empower other people to achieve their dreams. And I went back to sales uh, with one of the youngest members ever inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, eventually and uh, wrote my first book in 2006, Taking Life Head On, uh, became a best-selling author, uh, became a motivational speaker and a keynote speaker for corporations, colleges, you name it. And my newest book, The Miracle Morning, came out in December and it's uh, a number one best-selling book and it's uh, tens of thousands of people around the world are, are benefiting from the book already and, uh, and posting reviews saying it's really changing their lives.
1: Well, that that was a mouthful, and the reason you're on this, um, you know, the, uh, there's an old saying: doors closed and doors open. Uh, sure, and, sure, uh, uh But uh, let's talk a little bit about your book and about what you feel are the key elements to inspi- uh, that should should motivate people to to inspire the greater things.
3: I'm sorry, I, I missed that. Ask that again, please.
1: Um uh, what are you th- what are the key elements to 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 what wh- what you've been saying in your books? I know I've sure. read one of them and uh, I found it extremely interesting. That's why you're on the program. But uh tell us a little bit more about uh well to kind of summarize it for our audience.
3: Yeah, I mean I think that the, the biggest thing is I think we have to have we've got to have goals. We've got to have clearly defined goals. That, that are exciting for us and that inspire us to wake up every morning and, and work on them, you know not wake up because we have to go to work, but wake up an hour before work because we want to start that business, the one we 've always wanted to do, we want to write that book, we want you know whatever the dream is that we are working towards it every day, because that 's what makes life exciting and I think too many people in life they settle for mediocrity and they just settle for the daily grind and, uh, and they give up on their dreams.
1: It's funny, you should say that because I've been writing a novel from 12 to 5 every night. Are you there?
3: Well, from from uh, 12 p.m. 5 p.m. or midnight to 5 a.m.
1: Midnight to 5 a.m. Uh wow, See,
3: that's dedication. That is dedication.
1: Well, uh, it's more than that. It's great satisfaction. Uh yeah. In the brief time that we have Hal. um give uh uh give our audience first three um, three things they should uh you think are important uh to achieve this and then um uh where they can find your book
3: yeah first and foremost is is really reiterating what i just said which is you've got to have your goals in writing they can't be in your head they can't be just ideas they've got to be solidified in writing what you want here's the the process I teach my coaching clients. You've got to write down what you want, why you want it, why is it important to you, what is preventing you from getting it, and then what do you need to do on a daily or weekly basis to make that goal, that dream, an inevitability, that it will absolutely happen as long as you follow through with that daily or weekly process. So that's the first thing is the goal, the dream, have it in writing. The second thing is, You've got to wake up every day and dedicate the first part of your day to developing yourself into the type of person that you need to be to achieve your goals and achieve your dreams and create everything that you want for your life. And that's what the miracle morning is. It's a powerful morning you know, ritual that you do every day that virtually guarantees that you're developing yourself into the person that you need to be to create the life that you want. And then finally, uh, I think that one of the most important components of all of this is you've got to find a way to inspire and encourage other people to fulfill their potential. You know, the only way that we fulfill our potential and become great is by focusing on helping other people become great. And if that's helping our you know, family, helping our employees, helping our colleagues, helping our friends – You know, the best way to learn something is to teach it to other people. And so the best way to learn how to fulfill your potential is to inspire and encourage it in in others. And if they
1: want to buy your book, uh, people in our Uh, audience. yeah.
3: Thank you for reminding me. The best place to buy my book is on Amazon.com. It's almost half the retail price. But if if you want to get two free chapters of my book and just kind of, you know, get your feet wet, see if you like it, uh, you can actually get what I call the Miracle Morning Crash Course at MiracleMorning.com. Dot com And that gives you two free chapters of the book. It gives you a, a video training and an audio training on the Miracle Morning. And that's all totally free at MiracleMorning.com. And the book's on Amazon. Oh, well,
1: Thank you, uh, Hal, for joining us. Uh, uh, I wanted you on the program because you are an inspiration to a lot of us. Thank you.
3: Well, thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor.
1: We'll be back with our next guest after this commercial break.
2: Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidence of bullying, stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's ProtectiveCounterMeasures.com for your free hour-long video.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and uh, w- uh, our next guests are Lucas Kovalich. And Tim Walsh, who were named New Jersey State Small Business Person of the Year by the uh, SBA, but uh, we we invited them on. That's one nice honor. But we invited them on because they have a lot to say and they have kind of a unique uh, approach. Uh, Lucas and J- Tim are on, are you on board?
4: Uh, yes, Don, we're both here.
1: Oh, that's good. You're coming in loud and strong. <coughs> we uh, before we uh before we um get to to everything that you've done we'd like to ask a little bit about your backgrounds your personal backgrounds how you reached the point that you've come here to the show so if uh, either one wants to start uh, sure. uh go ahead
4: don this is uh, tim speaking um Great. you know basically um i grew up in a family that was uh, very much into the outdoors and you know being outside Uh, was a big part of my childhood. And uh, basically, you know, through high school, I played sports, soccer, hockey. Um, I got into, uh, you know, all the regular sports, baseball, and so on. And uh, later in high school, I got introduced to the fantastic sport of rock climbing. And basically, you know, I fell in love with it uh, almost immediately. And um, I'll tell you a little bit uh, about myself, I guess, before I go on there. I'm the second youngest of six. So I come from a large family, and um, basically when I was in high school, um, you know, my mom was diagnosed with cancer uh, in 10th grade, and, you know, it kind of threw my, tra- uh, my track in life off a bit. So uh, when it was time for me to go to college, uh, you know, there were some decisions to be made, and the long story short is I didn't end up going to a traditional college like I would have chose to, but uh, my grandmother basically uh, gave me $10,000 and kind of said, you know, you're on your own. Try to uh, you know do whatever you can. So I went to a computer trade school and uh, from there I got out of uh, this school and I was very fortunate to get a job uh, immediately in the IT field. And uh, I actually moved at a very young age, 19, down to Charlotte, North Carolina from New Jersey. And uh, at 19 I was on my own. And uh, I worked for that company, that first company for about um, almost two years. And I had a great offer. Uh, to come back and work for uh, Verizon Wireless. So I came back uh, as a uh, local area and wide area network analyst working in Verizon's IT department, and I worked with them for eight years. Um, But like I had mentioned earlier, uh, you know, later in high school, I got introduced to the sport of rock climbing, and I had continued climbing, you know, through those years. And, uh, while I was working at Verizon, it was, you know, more of a means to an end. You know, I kind of saw myself, uh, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit, um, on my mother's side of the family. There's quite a few entrepreneurs. Uh, my uncles own everything from solar brewed, uh, you know, solar brewed beer, microbreweries to, you know, accounting firms and, uh, their own carpentry businesses. So, um... Yeah, you know, I always had an entrepreneurial bone in my body and I always thought that the sport of indoor rock climbing would be something that I would love to do for a living. I had become a very passionate rock climber. Yes. So um I guess about eight years into working for Verizon Wireless, um, you know, Lucas and I had been friends for, you know, a uh, quite a long time since high school and uh we started talking about the business and uh, you know, here we are today. I'll let Lucas tell you a bit about himself and you know, then we can talk a little bit about uh, you know how we built the business.
1: Well, I should inform our audience if they don't know that you, that you you basically have a, a rock climbing business, an indoor rock climbing business, correct?
4: That is correct. We own uh, so we opened um, our first gravity vault uh, eight years ago, and what we built is New Jersey's largest indoor rock climbing facility. And five years after we opened the first one, we opened uh, our second location, um, and that one was at the time and still is New Jersey's largest indoor rock climbing facility. So you're right on We basically own the two biggest rock climbing facilities in the state of New Jersey currently.
1: Well, well it, uh, the reason is uh, our audience, they know you're entrepreneurs but they didn't know, and I neglected to tell them that in the beginning of the introduction. But now we'll, we'll turn over to Luke, Lucas and tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Sure. Um, Well, my name is Lucas Kabaltic. Uh, I was uh, also born and raised here in the state of New Jersey. Um, Tim and I are fortunate enough to know each other since uh, high school and have actually been friends since high school. Um, Following high school, I went on to go to uh, school in upstate New York. I attended the uh, Cornell Hotel School and uh, found myself in an operations type position and had a you know, big focus on, on operations, if you will. I uh, worked at the Waldorf Astoria in Manhattan as a front office manager, as a night manager there. Um had the opportunity during college to work for the Walt Disney Company at one of the resort hotels down in Disney World. Um, after living in New York, um, following graduation, I relocated to Los Angeles when I kind of caught an entrepreneurial bug, if you will, and went out there for several years, uh, started a couple of businesses, um, decided to go back to school and uh, actually began attending the Anderson School at UCLA uh, for entrepreneurship. Um, I was introduced to climbing while I was living out there as well. And uh during a trip back uh, to see my family uh, during the holiday season, I happened to meet up with Tim for dinner with a mutual friend of ours and uh had some conversations about business and what we both had going on and so forth. And uh, he said, have you ever thought about opening up uh, an indoor climbing gym? Um, I always been very fitness and, uh, health conscious and, uh, nutritionally, uh, interested, um, in basically that type of industry. Uh, my mother is a nutritionist, uh, was very involved in yoga, martial arts and those types of things, uh, for the previous several years and had gone into working out and such in, uh, high school and, uh, you know, had a conversation with him about this and thought, you know, I, it's, you know, much more proliferated on the West Coast a lot of gyms going on out there. We basically started working on the business plan together and, uh, and for a number of reasons where I was looking to transition myself back to the East Coast even following graduation, I saw a great opportunity. I actually took a leave of absence from that program and, uh, as I say, never looked back and uh, wound up relocating back to New Jersey and we opened that first facility in 2005. Uh, we were fortunate enough to then open our second facility uh, several years later in 2009 and we currently own uh, the two largest indoor rock climbing facilities in the state of New Jersey,
2: uh, and we're excited to have
5: our third. Do
1: you have a third one coming up?
5: We have a third uh, location uh, for ourselves that we're looking to open as what we call a company-owned store, and we actually in the last six months uh, just launched a franchise company where we'll actually be opening our first franchise location um, in New Jersey as well uh, in the probably first quarter of 2014. So we'll be opening uh, another facility ourselves, as well as our first franchise location, began offering the franchise opportunity, and uh, are excited because we have the ability to kind of share the 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 passion for what we both have and the love of the sport and helping share the sport, as well as we are the first. um,
0: Okay, basically
5: offering a franchise opportunity in the climbing world.
1: Okay, let's talk about um, since our. our, Audience or small business. What are the three things you've learned uh, in the eight uh, eight plus years you've been running your your, your, your uh, business that you'd like to share um, with? with the...
4: Well, number one, uh, this is Tim speaking. Um, you know, we both had a passion for uh, for what we do. So, you know, first and foremost, I think if you're going to get into a business, you should have a passion for it. Um, number two, uh, you know, in a in a business partnership, uh, you don't always agree on any on everything. But uh, Luke's and I agree on uh, one thing, and that's that we both work very hard. Uh, you know, the average person goes to work from nine to five every day, and uh, our standard day is ten to twelve hours. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, we get to choose the people that we're working with. And, uh, and again, the passion for what we do uh, doesn't make it feel like a 12- or 13-hour day. And, uh, yeah, in the end, I would also say, uh, you know, it's uh, super important if you're going to be into in a partnership to uh, make sure that you, you select somebody that you're confident in and, uh, you know, has the same similar goal set uh, that you do. So, but how do you Number one,
1: resolve... I would say
4: passion, number two. Uh, work hard, and number three, uh, a good partnership.
1: But how do you resolve conflict within your partnership? That's a question that I'm always getting from people.
4: I I can certainly answer that. This is Tim speaking, and uh, communication is uh, absolutely number one. Um, there is no way it 's uh, similar to a marriage um you know there 's so many moving parts in a business um you know and again uh we at this point are are growing significantly we have some uh, we have some great people working for us, and uh you know number one uh, it it 's communication you know uh just to basically you know put it out there you know expect that you 're both going to have a, a logical perspective on things and uh, if there 's not a logical perspective i mean you you almost have to uh you know, we try to not do it often, but uh, you almost have to call the other one out and say, hey, listen, you know, I don't, I don't believe your perspective on what we're, you know, what we're not agreeing on is uh, is logical, and, uh, you know, let's take a break from it and, and reconvene, uh, you know, maybe tomorrow. It doesn't happen often, Don. We've been working together now for almost ten years, and, um, you know, we do, again, we share a similar goal set, so uh, we, you know, we kind of have blinders on, and we're we're focused on that goal.
1: Well,
4: okay, well, um...
1: Uh, I find it fascinating. What made you decide to make it the the biggest in New Jersey? Uh, This is Lucas.
5: I would say in doing the market research and looking at what's out there and the offerings that are out there as far as indoor climbing facilities, having a more breadth of service and, and having offerings for all people of all different walks of life as well as different age ranges is basically what we saw as a a key to our success. Um, We truly cater to anyone from the age of five and up. Uh, We have, you know, kids groups, birthday parties, kids classes. We have student nights. We have adult meet-up groups. We have singles groups that come in. We have adult membership programs. And we have groups of seniors that come in on, you know, every Saturday morning and Sunday morning as part of groups as well and climb together. So by having a large facility with lots of different offerings – Um, within our facility and within our sport, it basically allows us to cater to a large breadth of individuals and different people.
1: Well, um, uh, when you say the largest, does does that mean you're uh, you're the highest, that you can go higher than any other? I mean, I see these uh, rock climbing things. Sometimes they appear in the malls, et cetera. Uh, uh, But why is the the highest and largest? And the second question is, why did the SBA give you that award?
5: Uh, I guess number one is, as far as the largest, it's based on the number of square feet of climbable space that you offer. So Hmm. we offer between, you know, a little over 13,000 square feet of indoor rock climbing at each of our two facilities. So that number of square feet broken down into the number of routes and the amount of bouldering that we have and the breakdown of different types and uh, disciplines, if you will, of climbing uh, is what warrants or you know justifies the largest in the state. It's the number of total square feet. Um, and with the FBA, uh, I can let Tim touch on, they had a, a couple of criteria points, and I will say that they actually nominated us. So it wasn't something that we actually went out and sought, but rather something that we were presented by our bank which was formerly Commerce Bank and presently TD Bank after their acquisition and they came to us and, and offered to nominate us and wanted to nominate us for the award
4: uh based on the set criteria by the SBA which I'll, I'll let Tim tell you about. Uh well, yeah, I can uh, certainly expand on that just a, a little bit. Um, so uh some of the criteria for the Small Business Person of the Year award from the SBA are basically uh growth, um you know, community outreach uh, is important and uh... basically you know part of our part of our business model uh... you know we always say that you know this business is never about one person it's not about myself it's not about lucas it's about you know surrounding yourself with uh... you know people that are better at uh... you know what we're asking them to do than we are and uh... we believe in that we have a fantastic team of employees we have uh... on staff we have about forty five employees we have about uh... five full time employees and twenty part-time employees at each location and um, you know we from the top down basically always share with our employees that it's important to be part of the community it's important to give back to the community so in any way uh that we can you know we're we're regularly attending things like uh you know one of the local town days where we'll uh you know we'll bring a portable climbing wall and uh we'll donate the proceeds for the day to the local fire department uh we'll go to earth day and basically set up a the table there and just talk about you know uh you know leave no trace ethics or you know basically um you know, fitness and, and how important it is to, you know, to stay active. Um, so giving back to the community is, is something that's very important. As well, uh, from the very beginning, like Lucas touched on, we had a, a great relationship with Commerce Bank. Commerce Bank turned into TD Bank. Um, and our relationship, uh, we've actually used the Small Business Administration, their their 7A product, which is a loan product that they offer, to finance both of uh, our locations. And, uh, you know, through the great history that we've developed with TD Bank, um, you know, we're uh we pay our loans back <laughs> which is uh which is really important. And uh you know, they also have seen the uh, the growth that we've uh you know been able to achieve over the years. So uh those were a few of the criteria that they basically selected us. We have a great relationship, the company is growing significantly and uh you know we're we're very involved in the communities where we have our locations. So uh they saw what that and two, basically uh What are
1: the two communities that, that you're located in?
4: Yeah, so uh, because we both grew up in Bergen County, uh, New Jersey, um, so we're located in Upper Saddle River, New Jersey, on Route 17, and we're also in Morris County, uh, Chatham, New Jersey, uh, just off of Route 24, uh, right next to the Short Hills Mall. Hmm.
1: So you're on Route 17 in Saddlebrook?
4: Saddle River, Upper Saddle River. Saddle River,
1: oh, okay, because our studios are in Washington Township.
4: Oh, okay. So, <laughs>
1: so uh, yeah, we're very close.
4: Uh, if, uh, whenever you're ready you to learn
1: website? how to climb, Don. Uh, uh, we do. It
4: is gravityvault.com. And, Don, whenever you're ready to come climb, you just see Lucas Ryan. I'll,
1: I'll send my engineer. He's in better shape than I am. Uh, okay. But, again, uh, I, I talked over your website. Say it
4: again. Uh, it is gravityvault.com. So simply www.gravityvault.com.
1: Well, thank you, fellows, for being on with us uh, today. Uh, congratulations, and uh, 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 hopefully, you'll be back uh, when your third uh, for, when your uh, third one opens up, and we'll talk further.
4: Uh, yeah, we would love to, Don. Uh, this is Tim, and I just wanted to mention that uh, part of our franchise company is uh, SMB, uh, who Steve, the CEO of SMB Franchise Advisors, uh, asked that we say hello today. Uh, we see Steve regularly i know uh, i know you have a, a relationship with him he is now part of our franchise company and uh we've had a fantastic time uh working with him so i just wanted to uh extend the hello from Steve Beelman the ceo of uh, smb
1: okay uh, regards back and uh come again we'll be back with our next guest after this message
2: Many small businesses purchase supplies, equipment, other needs through local stores. To save money on many of these purchases, consider Deem.com. This purchasing site offers real bargains and large discounts on many key items needed to run your business. And it's free to join and use. That's Deem.com. Again, Deem.com for all your small business needs.
6: hello uh we're back uh uh
1: this is Don Mazzella, this is small business digest radio and we have a very interesting guest on the line who uh we're we're welcoming in right now are you there? <laughs>
6: I'm here How are you
1: i'm fine uh uh, uh I'm a little bit uh, ruffled because my papers fell, so we always start asking our guests first to introduce themselves and then to tell them a little bit about themselves. They're personal here before we get into uh, who and uh, why they're really here.
6: Sure. Well, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to do so. So my name is Steve Olsher. I'm an author, a speaker. Uh, and a 25 plus year entrepreneur. My work is focused on helping people become very clear on the one thing they were born to do, and teach them how to monetize it.
1: Well, uh, that's a great place to start. But first, how did? What about your own personal background? We we like to, we like to know a little bit about that.
6: Wife, three kids, <laughs> live in Chicago. Brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Let's see, owned a nightclub when I was uh, 20 years of age, started selling speakers out of the back of a van when I was 17, Uh, pretty much did everything I could to uh, make a buck by rubbing a couple of dimes together and hope to get a dollar out of it, and that included just about anything from stocking shelves to pumping gas and raking leaves, so over the years, uh, I think I've damn near seen it all, done it all, and uh, got involved very early in the dot-com space. He launched on uh, CompuServe's electronic mall in 1993.
1: Well, uh, that is going back to the early days with CompuServe. Uh, it is. Uh, uh I did a lot of work with them. I used to be with, uh, uh, with Informat- Informatics and CompuStat and uh, CompuServe is one of our uh uh, uh delivery uh, vehicles but that uh, and that and CompuServe is a name out of the past for me but now oh, yeah. t- tell us about your tell us about your book tell us about uh why why you're you're here to t- to talk to our audience of small business uh leaders
6: so I've got uh, I've got a couple of books. One is called Internet Profits, which is spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. The world-leading experts reveal how to profit online, and that was named the uh, Business Technology Book of the Year by USA Book News. It has over 105-star Amazon reviews, and it's uh, it's really the the most comprehensive book on the known low-cost ways that are available to you. To leverage the the power of the Internet, and it features people like Mike Filsaime and Armin Morin and Steve Harrison and and names that are really big uh, in the online space. The second book is called What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do, and that will be released by Wiley at the end of September here on a global basis, and we're actually giving away free copies of that book hard copies of the of that book right now at what is your dot com uh,
1: and that's the reason why you were invited on this program tell us a little bit about the book and uh and the rut and uh, how do you identify what's the real one thing you do really do well
6: Well, you know, I've worked with thousands of people now over the years and have created a very specific framework around how you discover that and how you can share that gift with the world and monetize it. So for me, what I do believe is that your DNA is wired to excel in very specific ways. I mean, you are different from me and you're different from the 7 billion other people who walk this planet. And reality is that there are certain things that you excel at. And so what... The framework does that I've created and and, and really uh, just implemented now and changed like I said, the lives of thousands of people all involved, it really involves having a very clear understanding of what your natural gifts are, the vehicle that you use to share those gifts with the world, and then the people that you're most compelled to serve and it's the combination of those three elements that really answers the question of what is your what. And, you know, some people talk about your why. And I understand, you know, where folks are coming from. And I am a big fan of Simon Sinek, and I and I love his book, Start With Why. And to me, that's a really important part of the equation as well. It's, it's about everything that's external. It's why you do what you do. And I can see how that has value. Your what is everything that's internal. It's that which stems from within, and it's really that which has chosen you and it's not that which you have chosen. So if you can get to the point of really being able to to nail down this equation of understanding what your inherent gifts are, the vehicle that you use to share those gifts with the world, and then the people you're most compelled to serve, that becomes a really powerful foundation upon which you can then introduce other sort of strategies, if you will, including the why, the how, the where, the when, et cetera. Well,
4: oh, um...
1: Uh, is is that another way of saying uh, uh, no, uh, know thyself?
6: Well, I mean, look, I, I certainly think that there's a lot of different ways to say it. It can be your passion, it can be your purpose, it can be your destiny, it can be your calling, it can be your awareness of self, absolutely. You know, if, if, you're, if you're familiar with um, some of the, the older books that are out there, some of the wonderful teachings, Uh, that are out there, you you may be familiar with an expression uh, from Lao Tzu, who said that knowing yourself is the greatest strength of all. And so it's really important to be clear on who you are and why you do what you do and really understand what works to your detriment and also what works to your benefit, because far too many of us just kind of operate on autopilot where things happen in life and we react instantaneously and it's just our natural way of being. So it's it's really crucial to understand who you are and why you do what you do so you can build that foundation upon which to really propel your life and your business forward.
1: Well, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I I wish I had learned that earlier in life. Uh, uh, The only thing that old age really gives you is an ability to to really – uh, uh, I believe to really understand yourself and to accept yourself. Uh, so um, uh, I'm looking forward to your book. Uh, uh, I I would like uh, uh, a copy when it comes out, and I'm going to invite you back for a longer session after I've had a that chance sounds, to read it.
6: That sounds great. Again, if uh, if you go to What Is Your What dot com. Just plug in your name and email, and uh, we'll send you info on how to grab a free hard copy of the book when it's released at the end of this month.
1: And if they want, uh, so repeat it again for our what audience.
6: What is your yep? What is your what dot com? And uh, again, we're giving away free hard copies of the book pre-release. And uh, and it's it's one. I mean, we have just gotten so many accolades. On this book, phenomenal reviews. People like Jack Canfield and David Allen and Joel Com and Guy Kawasaki, et cetera. I mean, just just really, really excited about this book coming out because what it does more than anything else is it helps you really become clear on on who you are, why you're here, and gives you that foundation upon which to to really build a, a meaningful business that only contributes to your community but also to the world at large. And I think that's really where we're at at this point of uh, of our societies. we've all got to really figure out how we can empower others to live lives of uh, just not it, – it's, it's scary to me how many people go through life without really being clear on, on what it is that they're good at. And so we, we've got to figure out how to empower people that, frankly, just have never been taught what to do and how to do it. And I think that's why so many people are excited about this book, because it's not just theory. You finish this book with the practical answers you need.
1: Well, Thank you so much for joining us today.
6: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
1: Okay. Our next guest I'm really looking forward to, and I ask them to to be last because uh, uh, it means we can go. Dr. Garrett Newcomb and Kay Woods have joined forces to develop uh, an engaging speaking platform, CEO Real Talk. But I uh I'm so glad. Are you on?
0: Yes we are. Thank you.
1: And thank you for your patience. Um yep. uh,
0: we're
1: we're having a quiet moment here, but uh I'm really looking forward to it uh, to talking to you because you have a lot to say. And uh I'm going to ask you briefly to to describe a little bit of your both backgrounds and then tell us about uh, the platform is yours.
0: Thank you. Great, great. Well, I'll start off. This is Kay Woods. I have a uh, separate business, which is an award-winning 24-hour, seven-day-a-week child care center that's located in Arizona. And uh, we've been in business. We just entered our 12th year and Garnet and I have teamed up to share some of the hidden nuances that destroy small businesses and also share realistic platform for long-term profitability. Uh over times we've been on many uh we've been on many uh platforms where when we get off stage the sidebar conversations that uh small business owners uh, startups as well as small to medium pull us to the side and ask the questions, and we're really, really realistic with them and sharing some of the things. And we thought, well, why don't we do this so that we can really get it out to the mass? And so Garner can share a little more about what her company does.
7: Um, my name of my company is Human Potential Consultants. And we are a employment solution company for government contractors. Uh, for example, we work for various uh, agencies, providing administrative support staff, program management, as well as uh, facility management. And what, what this is all saying is that whenever the government needs uh, various types of positions filled, we bring in staff, hire them, and they, you know, are part of our team but they work at different
1: facilities. You didn't hire Snowden, did you? Did you?
7: No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> that we have
1: to one. have some levity in this program. Yeah,
7: that was a good one. <laughs> <That was laughs> very good. Of, ask me, how does that work? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, now, um, uh, but now you've written a book. But before you t- t- exactly, what do you feel are the key issues to su- to success, or that you you want to address?
7: One one of the things that uh, Kay and I, you know, were talking about, you know, uh, one day we were just sitting around, and and I was sharing with her, you know, my thoughts on one of the biggest things that is hidden. We call them hidden nuances. Uh, that not being able to make that 100 per, uh, percent commitment, and and let me just explain real quickly. You know, like in the early you know years, you know when we first started, you know we had a tendency to you know we had financial issues trying to stretch that dollar to be able to pay payroll, buy supplies. So a lot of a lot of times you find yourself saying. Maybe I can work either at night or on the weekends, you know, trying to decide whether we're going to take another job. But when we step back and we look at that particular mindset, actually we were straddling the fence. And once we um, found out that, you know what, we have to jump in with both feet because of the fact that it requires us to really focus on growing the business because of the fact that if we you know, working over here and coming in during the day, we're not really totally focused on the business. So we both decided one time we, we were talking. She said, "You decided that too." I said, "Yep, I jumped in." with both the, identified that particular service that I had that we call low hanging fruit, and sold that particular one to t- start generating, you know, funds into the business. So we once I started focusing 100%, we were able to. You know, uh, you know, start making money for
1: the business. That's you know, well, the first thing I found. You know, at the top of my head. Well, that that we, I, we there's some heavy breathing. Uh, is there a heavy breather. Masher on in his phone. Are you there?
0: Yes, we're here. Uh,
1: and that 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 just worked. There was a heavy breather on. Or did we lose oh, somebody? I
7: don't know. I, I okay. think we're here.
1: Oh, all right. Uh, you sound like attractive women and you never know when masters appear.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, uh, Great.
1: Yeah,
0: so and breathing we do feel is a, also a hidden nuance that is a part of being able to make sound and positive decisions. Because oftentimes our brains and we're moving and we're doing so much that we don't take the time to stop and breathe to make the best decisions. That
1: is a very accurate. That is so true. I've seen that both in my own business and many other businesses. You don't see the forest for the trees. Correct. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that, that's what I'm saying. It. Or
0: either you've got you've got too many uh, wheels in the fire, and uh, you get to procrastinating and, and not making a decision at all. Uh, so if expect- we stop and and take it in.
1: Especially if uh, you feel under pressure to make to make money, or or to meet p- payroll. Uh, if could you list three or four other nuances for our audiences?
7: Well, uh, one of them feels like not focusing on your business opportunity. And and what I mean by that, you know, a lot of times when we go into businesses, some of us have hobbies or something that we really like or we really want to help people, or we're always dreaming about, you know, you've always dreamed of, you know, some of us dream about owning our own business, and I love what I do. But what that does, that often sounds, that's a good sound bite, but actually, unfortunately, you know, the mind, having this type of mindset is a hidden nuance because um, that will keep your business from succeeding. What we have learned over the years, Kay and I, is that the foundation of a good business is not emotion or a dream or a sense of satisfaction. Those are really nice things, but they're not sufficient um, to build a solid, successful business. So what we came up with and realized that the, the foundation of a good business is a good business opportunity. The The number one thing that we... Need to focus on as business owners should be able you know be able to look at the opportunities that are out there, what services or what products we have that will match you know our customers and be able to focus on selling them directly to them and enjoying that part.
1: Do you have one more They're another so one good, I'd is like Ruth- another
0: and there, one that is very big and should be at the top is not understanding your finances or passing it on to your accountant or your bookkeeper or your manager to 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 help you with the finances one thing what we both agreed on uh, a couple of our location uh, location we closed down and downside because you're buying you're not really knowing all the things that you're purchasing and where all your funds are going we both had enough uh excess supplies to, to start a second hand store each. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh where can people get it? what's the name of your book?
0: Oh, it is Get Past the Obvious.
1: That's a good title. And where can you get where can people buy it?
0: Uh, they're still getting it uh, to, to release it, so it will be released within the next couple of weeks. But they can go to our website, which is www.ceorealtalk.com. That's C-E-O-R-E-A-L-T-A-L-K dot com. And they'll be okay. able to see when it's coming and some other items that we have available and information that we're doing.
1: I hope you send me a reviewer's copy. And we'll have you back on the show.
7: Awesome. we Will do. Well, thank you so much for having us.
1: Well, no, it's been a pleasure, uh, uh, ladies. And uh, uh, good luck with you, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
0: Okay. Have an awesome rest of the week.
1: You too. All our guests are invited because... They offer actionable advice to our audience. As you can see from today's program, we've had some interesting advice from a variety of different people. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience's add profits. I particularly last liked our last uh, guest because what they said I think is so true and so important for small business. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you have questions, suggestions, it's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. If you like what you heard, tell others about it. And for my my engineer and, and myself, we wish you a good night.